Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. Man, we are in a sermon series right now about the power of prayer. We've had had some prayer already. We've had praying for people, teams praying, I'm praying. Hey, this is a house of prayer. That's what God said his house should be. That's what Jesus said. My father's house is a house of prayer. We believe that strongly. believe that strongly. And we thought, as we were thinking about contemplating, what do we... What do we talk about leading up to Easter? Prayer. I can't, can't think of a better way to prepare our hearts for what Jesus is going to do in two weeks. And we're celebrating what he did. We, we couldn't think of a, a better topic. And what we've done in this series, we started three weeks ago. So this is week four, right? Right. We're, we're looking at a prayer in First Chronicles. It's a very small little prayer, very small little prayer. It only has one verse to it. But it's a faith-filled prayer that we're really dissecting and learning from, right? It's found in First Chronicles, chapter 4, verse 10. And let me read the prayer again. It's, it's uttered by a man named Jabez. Some of you, Jabez, by the way, is only mentioned in this one part of the Bible. That's it. He, he gets two verses, man. Nine and ten. You never hear from him again. That should show you, though, that nothing is insignificant. You're not insignificant. You may only have two chapters in human history. So what? You're still important to God. God can still use you. And that's one of the things we're learning about Jabez. And how he prayed. What he prayed for. This is what it says. Jabez called upon God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Now, last week, Pastor Karen walked us through what what does it look like to pray for God to enlarge our territory again? Go check out the podcast. Beautiful, beautiful job. The week before that, I kind of kicked it off with looking at and exploring what does it mean when we pray, God bless me. What what does that look like? And what did it mean for Jabez? And what does it mean for us? Today, we want to look at the third request that Jabez had. He had four, right? Bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me, which is what we're going to talk about today. Next week, we're going to talk about how not to experience pain, or if we do, how to get through it, right? Like, like, like Jabez was talking about. But today, this third request, God, let your hand be with me. Let me ask you this. Anybody here roller coaster fan or fast ride fan? Okay. I wasn't much of one. <laughs> I probably still am not much of one, but... Those things can be kind of scary, right? I don't know about you, but I don't know. I, and, and I'm still not a big fan of them, but I remember the first time I, I rode a roller coaster, like a real one now, not like little kitties. And I'm not about a real roller coaster, right? I was like 11 or 12 years old. 
And we were at an amusement park, and I was there with one of my friends. Now, my friend was an experienced roller coaster rider. Like, this guy, he was a pro, man. He's probably, I don't know, he probably started when he was six or something. I don't know. But, but you know, by the time we were 11, 12, I mean, he, he had this thing down. He knew everything there was to know about riding a roller coaster. And so we're there in line, and I'm getting ready to ride it for the first time. And he's telling me how cool it is. Oh, man, we're going to go fast, and it's going to be great. And when we get to this turn, you know, that's when you kind of lift your hands up. And when you get to the next turn, you better hold on to that bar for dear life, right? So he was trying to guide me through and prepare me for what this thing was going to be like, right? Because I didn't know. I'm like, and I'm still scared, by the way. I'm still freaking terrified, right, in line, right? But he's trying to give me some information. He's, what he was doing, he was trying to calm my fear a bit, right? He's trying to, hey, it's going to be all right. And I'm so glad he was there. <laughs> Believe me, I was glad he was there because I needed some calming, right? I, I needed some information. I, I needed someone that had been down the road before to kind of help prepare me. And all of that guidance and that direction and that, you know, just being there for me, it helped a lot. Let me say, it helped a lot. And it gave me a lot of confidence. Gave me a lot of confidence. Really, what I was asking my friend for was his presence. Say, come on, come on this thing with me, man. Because <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to do this by myself. That's what I was counting on, was his presence. Well, in this third request, Jabez said what? He said, God, will your hand be with me? Will your hand be with me? Now, the hand of God in Scripture references the power and the presence of God. That's what it means. So when, when you see, God, will your hand be on me? That's really what Jabez was asking for. He was asking for God's power and his presence. You know, when I was riding the roller coaster with my friend, it's the kind of the power of his, his confidence that gave me the ability to actually even get on that roller coaster, Right? And this is what Jabez is asking God for. When he says, will your hand be with me? He's really saying, God, I need your power and I need your presence. This is what Joshua, another man in the Bible who definitely needed God's uh, power to be with him and his presence to be with him. This is what Joshua 4.24 says, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of God that is mighty. You see, Jabez knew that he needed God's power in his presence to help his people turn back to God. So we shared this a couple of weeks ago, but the context of what's going on in first Chronicles is the Israelites are coming back from being in exile, right? They're trying to rebuild their lives, reclaim their land. But most importantly, what they're being called to do is to turn back to God because what had happened when they were in exile with the Babylonians, they were in a whole foreign culture, Right. So they didn't have a place to worship. They didn't, you know, they didn't have their familiar surroundings. In fact, not only that, but they were in a group of people that didn't believe in God, right? They did not believe in the one. The Babylonians didn't believe in the one true God. And so you can see how the Israelites during that time may have become discouraged, right? Let's, let's be honest. They're, they're in a faraway land amongst a bunch of people that don't believe. It's also, by the way, why you... We need to be careful about who we hang with today. You know, there's something in the Bible that says bad morals corrupt good character. 
That's exactly what had gone on with the Israelites. They had become so engrossed in the culture of the Babylonians that they had started to take on much of their thinking. Ah, there ain't no God. God ain't nowhere. And that's when they started falling away, right? They had drifted from God, and their drifting was breaking Jabez's heart. You see, his prayer, as we said in the very first week, was not just for him. His prayer was bigger than that. It was for his people. It was for his people. And so when he saw his people had fallen away from God, he was calling them back, calling them back, calling them back. And that's why he knew he was going to need God's power in order to do that. And he was going to need God's presence. You see, there's nothing that you and I can do. Just like Jabez recognized it, there's nothing you and I can do outside of the power of God that is significant. Okay, we can do things. Don't get me wrong. We can get up in the morning, we can brush our teeth. Okay, great. Or we can do things on our own. But if you want to talk about significant things, you have to have the power of God to do them. Come on. Yeah, that's, that's actually worth, worth clapping for. Not because I said so, but because God did. Now, here's the thing. Jesus recognized, of course, recognized this, but he also taught us this as well. This is what Jesus said before he left the earth. It's found in John 15, 5. This is what Jesus said that relates to what we're talking about. First of all, before he said this, Jesus had also told them that he was going to leave a helper for us, right? That helper is the Holy Spirit. That's what you and I have access to right now because Jesus said we can have him, okay? But this is what Jesus said before, uh, actually right after that. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in who? In Jesus, right? And I in you, you will bear much fruit because what does he say? Apart from me, we can do what? One more time. We can do what? Nothing. That means nothing. As in no thing. Jesus didn't mince words. Every word he spoke was strategic and had meaning. Now, Jabez knew this as well. Now, you have to remember back then, Jabez didn't have the Holy Spirit as a gift. The Holy Spirit existed, by the way. It's not like the Holy Spirit didn't exist in the Old Testament. He has always existed, right? Just to be clear. But that gift of the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. But yet Jabez knew that the power he needed was still going to come from God. Now, let's look at the power that the Holy Spirit brings you and I. It's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is what it says. But you will receive what? You will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we get God's power. Okay? That, that's by design, right? Can I encourage you to lean on God when you don't think you're enough? When you're faced with a situation, when you're faced with a problem, when you're faced with something, lean on the power of God. Ask God when you pray, God, may your hand be upon me. May you give me your power. That's the prayer that Jabez prayed. That's a prayer we can pray. You know, Joshua, we read a little while ago, was taking over for Moses. 
And God wanted to assure Joshua that he was going to be with him. Because imagine now, Joshua had been roaming the desert with Moses all these years, and he was his apprentice. And you know, But at some point, okay, how many people know that when you go from assistant manager to manager, it's a whole different animal, right? When you go from one level of responsibility to another, it has a whole different thing. And that's what Joshua was in his mind. But you see, God knew that was in his mind. So what is the first thing God tells him? He tells him three times in the first chapter of Joshua, be courageous because I'm going to be with you. He's telling him right up front, come on, right off, right off the bat. With my power, I got this. That's what God was telling me. Now he said, I'm going to give you every square inch of the land that I promised you. Woo. That's, that's power, friends. That's power. The other thing that we say when God's hand is on us is his power, but also his presence. Also his presence. You know, earlier in verse 9, we didn't read it today, but it says that Jabez was considered more honorable than his brothers, right? And we've outlined maybe some possible reasons for that. One of the reasons, though, is because he recognized that he was going to need God's presence, right? His people, remember, at that time they were in open rebellion. As, as Jabez was actually praying that prayer, his people were in need of correction. They were in this cycle of, okay, we'll follow God, follow God. Oh, no, I'm not going to follow God anymore. Go off worship an idol. Oh, and then when things got bad, all of a sudden he'd run back to God. Okay, that's the cycle they were in. Okay? Sound familiar? Okay. I'm just saying. In fact, there are several times in the book of Chronicles that it mentions, because the other thing going on was they were rebelling against God, but also they were fighting all these enemies, right? They were trying to retake the land coming after coming back from exile. And so they were fighting all these enemies. There was a lot of battles going on. And what you see in Chronicles in a number of cases is when the people would try and go to battle on their own without asking God to be with them, guess what happened? They lost. They got creamed. I mean, it's bottom line. But when they ask God to be with them and go with them, then guess what happened? Surprise, surprise, they won. Hmm, you see what's going on there? And that cycle was, was repeating. Jabez knew for his people to return to God, they were going to need not only his power, but his presence to be with them. Jabez was going to need his presence to stand up. And call his people back. You know, one of the things about the presence of God is that it changes things, though. Changes things. Think of it this way. You know, there's a difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. The thermometer does what? Just kind of measures what currently is, right? What's a thermostat do? If I go drop that thermostat down to... 65 degrees, something's going to happen. Something's going to change, right? It's going to go from wherever it is now, and it's going to make the room cooler. That's what happens with God's presence. It actually changes things. It doesn't just measure things. It actually changes things. And that's what Jabez was counting on when he prayed, God, may your hand be with me. I need your power and your presence. 
Because I can't deal with these crazy fools that I'm trying to call back to you by myself. I'm going to need your presence. I'm going to need your power in order to do that. And Jabez recognized that. There's something, there's so many things that comes with God's presence. We could, we could have a whole series on that, to be honest with you. But let me show you one other thing that we get that's available. That's available to us with the presence of God. It's found in Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of what? Joy. Can anybody use some joy in your life right now? <laughs> like every day, could you use some joy? I could. I could. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we're going to be up against things that we really don't want to do. If I'm, I'm being real. Some things we don't really want to do, right? In fact, we might even get to a point where we might even start dreading it. Like, oh, man, do I really got to go do that? Anybody been there before? Here's the thing. When you have the presence of God in your life, when you ask him to be with you and send his presence, you can have joy in whatever situation you're in. (laughs) Come on. You You can have joy. No matter your circumstances. So even if you're dreading that task, you can walk into it with a joyful expectation. Right? As I was preparing this, the thought came to me. There's a scripture that says, for the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. Do you know who that, you know what his joy that he was talking about is you. You're his joy. Did you know you're the joy of Jesus? Man. Here's why that's important. Because we tend to confuse happiness with joy. They're two very different things. You see, happiness is based on what? Circumstance. Do you think Jesus was looking forward to being nailed to a grisly cross? Probably not. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, I'm mean, not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm sorry. He, he actually cried out to his father, hey, if there's any other way to do this, I'm up for it. But God, if this is, you see, Jesus probably wasn't really happy about walking to that cross. But he was joyful. He was joyful because he had you and me in mind. His joy of the outcome. See, he knew he was going to be rising in three days. He already, we didn't know that yet, but he knew that. Happiness is related to circumstances. Joy is something we can have with us. And when we have the presence of God in your life, you can have joy despite your circumstances, despite what's going on, despite the bills you have and all the other things in life that we could say don't make us happy. Or on the flip side, or on the flip side, let's say we're searching after happiness and we're happy for a day. Come on. That's not sustainable. It isn't. Joy is sustainable because joy is built on God's presence. Happiness is only based on circumstance. There's joy found in the presence of God. And I think Jabez knew that he understood that. I wonder if Zephaniah 
kind of had an inkling of that too when he wrote this. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. In other words, he's with you, right? A mighty one who will do what? He will save. You see, Jabez was asking God to be with him and his people because he knew it was God that was going to save them. It wasn't going to be Jabez. He knew that. He knew he was going to need God to save his people. And that's the whole point of Jabez's prayer was to reach his people. He was praying to God, not just for himself, but for them. And Jabez was asking that the hand of God be with him by asking for his power in his presence. Friends, we can't really do anything in our own strength. Actually, come. You know, this week, uh, Karen and I had the chance to, uh, chance, opportunity, what's the right word? We uh, had to <laughs> take our daughter's dog to the vet. She was with the kids and whatever. Because we went to their house, and the dog was just wincing in pain. Just, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, his back was all bowed up, and every time you touched him, he would just wince. Poor, poor, little, poor little Bernard is his name, right? Let's make it into the podcast. Bernard, you're famous. All right, so Terry was busy, so we said, all right, well, we'll go ahead and take him in. So we took him into the office. Doc started looking at him and, all right, take some x-rays and, and whatever. So they came up with a, with a treatment plan. And so we, we put Terry on the phone, you know, convinced her in, and doctor was explaining, okay, this we can do this, or we can do this, or we can do that. And the doctor said, okay, so if we do this, I think that's our, probably our best chance to, to fix him up. And Terry asked him over the phone, well, now if you do this procedure, is there any guarantee that it's going to work? Uh, or is there any guarantee that this won't happen again if you do this? Well, this veterinarian is not stupid. <laughs> he's, been, we, we, he's been our vet for our dogs for a long time. He's very experienced. And, of course, he told Terry, no, unfortunately, I can't guarantee that. Right? I can do my best. We'll do our best to make him comfortable and treat him. But, no, I can't guarantee you that this is not going to happen again. Because, you see, there's very few guarantees in life, is there? Come on. I mean, we're not guaranteed our next breath if we're being honest. Right? But we're not guaranteed anything. Even with all of our experience and education and wisdom that we think we have, there are no guarantees in this life. See, Jabez knew that too. Jabez knew that too. He knew that he himself didn't have everything he needed to draw the people back to God. But he knew God did. He knew God's power and his presence were going to be so important in that process. So that's why he asked God to be with him. He knew that God's power and presence is what would lead people back to him. You see, there's really only one real guarantee we have, and that's Jesus Christ. The word says God will never leave you nor forsake you. The word also said and says God is not a man that he should lie. So if God says he will be with you, he will be with you. Yes, come on. If God says he will be with you, that is a guarantee you can count on. But that's one of the only guarantees you can count on, okay? Just, just so we're clear. All of that is wrapped up and found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our guarantee. He is our guarantee. And that's why when we're facing difficulties, we need to go to Jesus. Yes, there's going to be some good things in life. 
And we ought to give God thanks for those. It says God is the giver of all good things. So anything you have good in your life, praise God, thank him. Come on, praise him and thank him. But God's word also says that we're going to have some trouble in this life. Anybody here going to have some trouble? If you don't now, it's coming. Trust me, okay? Actually, trust God. You don't have to trust me. Look it up. That's what it says. You don't have trouble now, it's coming. At some point, we're going to have to deal with things. That's why we need God's presence and power. I'm going to share a story with you that I've never shared public before, but God woke me up at about four o'clock this morning and said, today's the day you're going to share this. So I said, all right. It is about God's power and his presence and how marvelous and wonderful it really is. Pastor Karen and I have had lots of experiences over the years with God and his power and his presence. I, I could probably recite many, but I think there's one that we will never forget. We talk about it every now and again. Uh, we've talked about it privately with, you know, good friends of ours, but never actually spoken about it publicly. But I, I want to share because I think it really fits with what we're talking about today. About seven or eight years ago, we were uh, we were just dealing with a problem. And, and to be honest with you, I can't even remember what the problem was. I mean, how many people know that God's bigger than your problem, right? So I, that that's not the part of the story that I'm that I was even, I'm even focused on. I don't even remember what the problem was, to, to be honest with you. But what I remember is this. We, we were both thinking about it at the same time, praying about it at the same time. It was, it was on our heart, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. Pastor Karen. She'd gotten up, and she was out at the kitchen table just praying reading the word. God had woken her up. It was just, that's what she was doing. Every once in a while she'll do that. I, I do that sometimes. But on this particular night, and I didn't realize at the time she was out there, I was still asleep. And then about that same time, God kind of woke me up in bed and, and I was just praying, God, help us with this problem. Will you just kind of be with us right now? Will you come in? Will you come in? Will you come in? She was praying the same thing. And shortly after that, probably about maybe 10 or 15 minutes, we both heard at the same time the most, I don't know how to describe it, it is the most wicked scream I think I've ever heard. It was not an animal. Let me be really, really clear about this. We, We know, we instantly knew what it was. There was a demon that was trying to get into our business, was trying to get into the sanctity of our house. Those of you that don't believe demons exist, my friends, the Bible is very clear that they do. Okay, I'm not, I'm not getting weird on you here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Bible. I'm in the Bible. Jesus cast out demons. You remember that? By the way, more than once, like a lot. He actually sent his 12 disciples to go do the same thing. When he sent them out, he says, you're going to cast out demons. By what? The power of the Holy Spirit. So as I got out of my bed and our eyes locked 
we both knew what had just happened. The power of God had driven that demon away. He fled at the name of Jesus because of God's power. And, and, and here's the thing. Not only did we have the power, it was the power. We didn't drive the demon away. Actually, the power of God did while we were praying. But here's the other beautiful thing. Not only was the power of God there, but his presence was there. You see, we weren't, here's the thing. Oh, hear me now. We weren't freaked out. We could have, we could have been freaked out. Come on, if I'm being real, I'd never heard that in my life. Pastor Carol has a little more experience with that. I'm being real. She has more experience with that than I do. She knew it like in a millisecond what was going on. It took me maybe 10 seconds. Okay. Took, took, took my brain just a minute longer to register what was going on. But we knew without a doubt that God's power had been there and had that literally just like the Bible, when the demons shrieked out of someone's body because they could not stay anymore because Jesus said in my name. And we say now in the name of Jesus, you must get out. And that's exactly what happened. But here's the, here's the other part. His presence was there because his presence was there. We had peace. We had protection. My friends, when you pray, God, let your hand be with me. Pray for his power. Pray for his presence. He has, he has promised it to you. God does not lie. God does not lie. Will you just close your eyes and let me pray for us? Oh, Heavenly Father, what a day. What a day we've had in your, in your presence right now. And Father, we felt your power today. Father God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your hand that is upon our lives. All we have to do is call out for it. And right now, that's what we're doing. God, we're calling out, asking for your hand to be on us and on our lives so that we can have the power and the presence that we need to deal with the challenges of life. Because, Father, it's only with you that we can do that right there by our side. God, be with us now and for all the days of our life. And now, if you would just continue to keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. I just believe and I sense by the Spirit of God, there's some people here right now that have never experienced that power and presence of God and of Jesus Christ. And if today is that day for you, where you're experiencing that for the first time, and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. If that's you today, will you just slip your hand up really quick? Nobody's looking. Only God. Wow, powerful. If that is your day, if today's your day, to give your life to Jesus and experience his power and his presence now for the rest of your life and receive the Holy Spirit. Will you just pray this simple prayer with me? And fellow believers, those of us that have had this opportunity, will you just pray along with us in support of them? Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. 
Wash me clean. Come into my heart. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we just give a hand clap of praise?